Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy James here. We are the independent voice of Fulham FC. And tonight, well, it's an end of season review. Chewing the fat over what's been a glorious season for Fulham FC. And also a certain transfer for Mr. Ryan Fredericks, the snake. Announce Grimmer. Well, and as all the (laughs) Fulham players have been on the lash, I thought that we should get some drinks in the studio tonight. And I'll introduce my guests from what I think is their tipple of choice so starting off with a Shoxieri beer from the Basque country it's Ben Jarman <laughs> hi everyone have you heard of that beer never no nor had I but no, that's fine I'd... a Cali Mocha would be much yes, better correct is that the beer that they have no it's, it's a... a red wine mixed with Coca-Cola with ice, with ice it's, in it. it's really nice oh okay it is. Uno Sorry. one of them por favor yeah I tried to look for like tipples from the Basque country and yeah. Google wasn't Cali Mocha is the, the Bilbao drink of choice yeah, oh okay well I know I've got this one right a man who loves an Aperol spritz, Don Betts. Yes. Team Aperol, the Chaparols. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, Don Betts' Instagram for the last two weeks has mostly just been him drinking an Aperol spritz in various locations. To, to be fair to Dom, I was a bit confused when I had an Aperol spritz first. I, I spent the weekend drinking them. I'm a convert, like a proper convert. They're so good. They're really good. And a man has just come back from the Real Madrid job interview. Doesn't look like it was too successful, but uh, he loves a Guinness, a well-poured Guinness. It's Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm Did good. you have a nice weekend in Madrid? I had a lovely time, a lovely time. There's three candidates still in the reckoning, so Florentino said he'd give me a call later this week. Where's my Rayo Vicano shirt? Yeah, I didn't get it to Rayo Vicano. It looked, I thought it was going to be one day of interviews. It wasn't, you know, it turned into three days of, of really, really tense and... Uh, you know, intense negotiations where I demanded that if I was going to become the Real Madrid boss, I wanted Danny Ceballos as the captain and Ilar Mendy back as his, you know, midfield oh, pev- pivot. So back in the real world, <laughs> you did see Luis Boamorte score did. a goal at the Bernabeu. I did. I saw Luis Boamorte score a goal at the Bernabeu. Was it, it a good goal? Yeah. He like cut inside and then like, you know, faked it. Jersey Dudek dives and he just like chipped it over him. I've seen Bermotti score in Hong Kong. I think I win, mate. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but it was a it was a big goal for Louis Bo. So fair play to him. Fair play to Louis Bo. What was the game? Was it like Real Madrid legends versus or Arsenal legends? Oh. Did you see Sol Campbell? Sol Campbell went off after three minutes. Oh. Injured. <laughs> his Instagram, <laughs> Did you see his Instagram video. Amazing. Oh my and god. And Fat Ronaldo didn't play. Oh. Fat Ronaldo was there and just didn't play. Apparently, um, Ronaldo's old haircut has become a bit of a sensation in China. It's like no, it's a, it's like a third division Bulgarian player has been been spotted wearing it or something like that. Oh, is that it? It's well, I mean, it might be a thing in China as well. Oh, no, I might no, I think I fake news or something there. There was a Bulgarian player or Romanian. It was Bulgaria or Romania third division player spotted wearing the ill phenomena. I think you heard already, it was a Manalev. I think you can already maybe <laughs> gather that today is going to have a very uh, tangent feel uh, to the show today. So just to say before we start that this season Fulhamish has been backed by Ladbrokes. For exclusive promotions, uh, head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. So yeah, loads to get through. Uh, we'll have a bit of discussion over the Fredericks transfer, which has literally happened in the last couple of hours. Uh, nice timing there, Fred. Uh, for, I can say nothing else. Uh, a little bit of a run through the season. We're going to kind of fly through it. You know what happened, really. But let's have a little bit of a look back, a reminisce over what has been pretty much a, a triumphant season for Fulham. But it didn't always start that way, as you well know. Uh, we're going to be announcing the end-of-season Fulhamish Awards. Forget the uh, Tim Ream formality that is player of the season. These ones are hotly contested, and we have a dozen, half a dozen awards uh, to give out. Uh, a stack full of questions. We're going to 
dedicate a big amount of time to your questions today. Uh, we don't normally. Uh, we normally run out of time, but we're going to make sure there's enough time for that. And Dom has a bit of a pre-season away day planner for you. I do. Make sure to listen if you want to be end up in Evian de Bois. I don't know how you, that's You're how you wearing your it. shirt from last preseason. That's exactly. lovely Darmstadt. I know. I need to make sure I get an Evian or uh, I might just bring a bottle of Volvic to be a bit of a, a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's start off with the breaking news. Uh, Ryan Fredericks uh, will be moving to West Ham United as of the 1st of July when his contract expires. It's not a huge shock. It had been on the cards for a little while. Ben, your immediate thoughts? Uh, I think from my point of view, Ryan Fredericks is a player that is as amazing as he is frustrating. Um, I'm really sad to see him go, actually, because I think he probably could have done a job for us in the Premier League. But there are times at this season where I've sat there <clears throat> and been so annoyed that he hasn't played a game to his full capability. Mm. And I think West Ham fans, as I was talking to Jack about this on the way up, um, West Ham fans seem to think they've got some 22-year-old uh, right back who's definitely going to get 100 caps for England, um, but it's actually probably not the case for them. It's a 25-year-old right back who's you know can do about 60 minutes. But I thought this season he's been he's been wonderful for us, and I thought in a in the playoff game he was fantastic, and and in those in the run up to in the run up um, to the playoffs in that 23 game unbeaten run, I thought he was exceptional in all of all but one against Birmingham. Um, so yeah I'm very sad to see him go actually I mean I went on West Ham fan TV you know the Astro fucking goo goo that yeah. one and <laughs> I think I was speaking to a very reasonable guy a guy called Dan and I really got along with him well they're so concerned about the pace and I think they've had Zabaleta all season who is yeah. a, you know, he's very slow um, has lost a lot of his pace and I think they're so excited by the pace I mean they're blinded by it to quote a Jack Collins reference um, and although Fred's does have good pace Jack there were there were many games where he was such a frustrating player to watch and that was at championship level yeah of course look we're, we're going to miss him in terms of he offers so much within a Slavisa system and he you know is, is kind of the perfect fullback for that kind of you know, expansive style of play because of the amount he wants to get forward. The issue is, I suppose, that, you know, Fulham now are going to have to look at players in more than just an attacking sense. We're not going to dominate teams the way that we have done in the, in the past couple of years. And when it came to defending, Fredericks was often found lacking. And while he's quick and can off, that often makes up for it, he'll get beaten and he'll get back to, you know, take the player on again. But it, it didn't kind of change the fact that Ryan Fredericks isn't the best defender in the world. He, he's a very much a, a forward-thinking player who likes to to get around and attack. And when it you know when it comes to it, West Ham aren't exactly you know a side that dominates possession and dominates teams further up the pitch either. And I think they might be in for a bit of an awakening when it comes to the fact that Ryan Fredericks does you know get skinned quite a lot. And and, and when it comes to you know the Premier League. You know he's going to be facing the likes of you know Leroy Sane, and and you have to think about that in in context. And, and in that regard, yes, I think we're going to we're going to miss Fredericks, but not as much as I think that some people think we are. I wouldn't worry about Sane. Can't even get in the Germany squad, mate. <laughs> um, Dom, is Cyrus Christie going to step up to the plate in no. the Premier League, or do you think that yes. Fulham will look for another right back? No, they look, we, we, I think we should have looked for another right back anyway. I didn't think Frederick 
I thought we'd, that would be a position we need to strengthen in. And I thought if one of the first main team players was to leave, it was going to be Fredericks because there's no way we're going to keep him. He's running our contract. He's going to get offers from Premier League sides and they're going to offer him whatever wages they're going to offer him. And he's going to want us to match that for him to stay at the club. And if we did that, he's going to be a highest paid player, which is generally stupid. Kearney's not going to sign another contract. And Cess probably won't because they both signed contracts last summer. You set yourself a massive problem straight away if you make Fredericks the highest yeah. paid player. Exactly. Club, don't you? You, get, you get into a... You get into a system where it's not it's not sustainable because the wages keep going up and up and up and up and up. A bit like what happened to like Portsmouth, really. They started yeah, offering yeah, yeah. these players a lot of money and then they just had to keep going off that. Where if you have a wage structure like we did in the Premier League, like Spurs do at the moment, then it, it's a lot more a lot more stability added to the club. And I think I think Fredericks like it is what West Ham need. They do need pace in that defence. That like their fullbacks last season or wingbacks whenever they play, they played three at the back was Zabaleta and Patrice Evra. Mm. That's just stupid. There's no point having fullbacks like that in the Premier League if they're going to be playing further up the pitch. I mean, the last time they bought a championship right back hasn't ex- exactly gone to plan in Sam Byron from Leeds United. But no. he's, I think he was a, he moved a bit too early yeah. and he, he's more of actually a right midfielder than a right back anyway. Yeah. I think he'll, he'll be a good player for West Ham. I just don't th- think he's the player they think they're getting. I think they think they're getting this quality player who just seemingly fit in. But as you said... I mean, under Pellegrini, it might be different when it comes to the way they play, and Fredericks will be will be key to that. But yeah, I don't think that West Ham fans are like, oh, this is a, a great signing. I don't think it necessarily is. But do you not think Cyrus can step up to the plate? I, yeah. I, I think he can, but I still think we should be looking for a first choice right back. I think for, for me, the modern the modern fullback is probably the most important player in the whole of the pitch. And if you're getting a fullback that can't do a job then you're in serious trouble. And I think Cyrus Christie is going to have a very, very short amount of time to prove himself to both Tony, Slavisa and the whole of the management board that he can actually do a job in probably the toughest league in the whole world. I don't think that that's necessarily you know, the case. I think obviously they've looked at Fredericks as part of this system, right? But they've, you know, if, if you look at this deal, this deal's been done in January. Let's let's not yeah. like beat around the bush. Brian yeah, Fredericks has been on his naive. way out since January. Yeah. And what will have happened is the club will have been like, okay, if you don't kick up a fuss now, we'll let you go in the summer and we won't kick up a fuss then. That will be the hmm. bottom line of it, right? And what they would have done is brought Cyrus Christie in, someone who has attacking pedigree but is a more complete defender, right? Cyrus Christie isn't as good as Ryan Fredericks going forward. Let's not, you know, beat around the bush in terms of that regard. He's a good player with a good cross, but he's a better defender when it comes to it. He's a, he's and a we better one-on-one that. defender, and I think that's what we're going to need in the Premier League. We've given him six months to settle in. You know, we've get him to get to know the team, get to know the structure, get to know Slavisa, and what he's done is, you know, with, you know, with us dominating, he's not needed to necessarily play there. But when he comes in now, he'll know this team. Jukanovic will you know, know how to play him, how to utilise him, and he'll understand more how to work in this system. I think it's unbelievably good management by Tony Khan. I think he deserves a lot of credit for th- thinking ahead, going, all right, in the summer we're going to need a right back. So what we should do is bring that person in, let them settle in, in, a, in an environment they're comfortable in, and then push them on forward. And, and, and Christie's younger than Fredericks. Bear that in mind. How old's Christie? 24. Oh yeah, of course he was Irish Young Player of the Year, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, so you know, you look at you look at that, and you think that you know there's potential going forward. Cyrus Christie is soon, you know, will eventually be you know an, an international first choice right back, and it will you know Brian Fredericks is not going to be that. Let's, let's bear that in mind. And and playing at those kind of levels in those kind of environments, it is something that has to be positive going forward for Fulham. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm of the agreement of that, and I think that sometimes last season and definitely the season before Fredericks has improved massively and I think 
Ben was right to say that he will be missed. But I think that Fulham have managed this very well. I think we have an able right back in Cyrus Christian. Yes, while Cyrus Christian might not set the pulses racing in terms of thinking of what we could get for next season, I'm not sure I agree in the set, in the set that that's our first priority. I now. didn't say it's our first, but I think we do need to strengthen there. Because... I think there's been a, for me personally, there's been a, a hole that's been missing since August of last year in the fact that we've needed a top class centre back and we haven't managed to get one in the summer transfer window we definitely didn't manage to get one in January and we've been running with a right back as our centre back for the last half a year and that needs to be strengthened going into the Premier League either by signing Callas keeping as a backup and then getting someone else in whether it's Flint whether it's someone else who who cares obviously, we just need a top class centre back in there obviously this transfer has happened early now and I think we'll focus more on transfers kind of later in the summer do we expect any other kind of business to be happening early doors before the world cup during the world cup or do you think it's going to be a case of we're going to just have to join the bum fight that's going it's to going to have to be after the world cup because newcastle will not sell mitrovic before the world cup finishes or before serbia's no, world cup no. finishes I, I think they will i think you offer newcastle 20 million right now they're selling yeah but i don't think we will well, no, I, think, I think if Mitrovic has a good World Cup of Serbia, let's say they get to the round of 16 or even the quarterfinals, yeah. let's say, and Mitrovic plays, plays a key part on that, they know they can have a, add another 10 million to a transfer. Oh, yeah, my, my, my thought is that Fulham have been so well managed recently that if Tony Khan's gone in there and negotiated his prop, like his worth properly, he would have said, OK, we'll have him on loan to the 30th of June and if we want to make him permanent, it'll be X amount of money, regardless of what position Newcastle are in when we, when we signed him or not and regardless of where Serbia are in a World Cup. They would have done that, surely. That's potentially a variable on uh, how long we had to make that deal happen it could, it could literally have been like okay well if you get in the world cup it's x if he does well in the world cup it's x money if he doesn't do well it's x money like yeah but bear in mind that was such a late stupid to put it in there without a clause in there surely agreed but like do you remember how last minute that transfer was and how yeah. he flew from Anderlecht? you know in the you know i don't know how much time we had to just get that over the line it's a thing I mean, completely. And also, we sign... need we needed him more than Newcastle needed to offload him. Yeah, but you can you can make a deal in principle, and then you can sign a contract after after a transfer deadline. And I would have imagined that's what they would have done. I I do think we'll probably make some sort of moves before. Well, I was going to say before the World Cup, but it's nine days away. I think if there's there are people coming out as free agents, which looks looking like there's a lot available, then we should probably be looking to get a deal in place before World Cup, especially if they're at it. Should we sign Yaya Torre for a pound, as his, uh, as his agent uh, touted earlier? He's available for a pound a day. Yeah, but like he's also like calling on African shamans to like curse <laughs> Pep Guardiola. Spisa likes to play head. African players, we've seen that. The man's lost his so head. So get Yaya in. <laughs> the man's lost his head. I think Yaya, don't Yaya comes at Guardiola, but Guardiola started him in a Champions League final and Sedu Keita played the most underneath him. It's just yeah, but Sedu Keita also said he, he didn't feel like Pep Guardiola respected him once he moved to China. Well, would yeah. you? If no, someone moved from Barcelona to China, would you respect them? I wouldn't. No, he said that where he was at the club, he didn't speak to him when, apart from off the field, uh, apart from when he was on the field. <laughs> and then obviously he had Sammy Weto, what he said after. So let's have a quick flick through some other transfer rumours that have been doing the rounds. And uh, there's very much a Serbian connection to many of the uh, Serbian boys. Mes- many of the partisan boys. We, we are the partisan boys now. Well, the first, the one I was most excited actually was Andrea Zivkovic. Yeah. yeah. Not only because he's amazing and full manager, but <laughs> he's, he's 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 a quality player in a position we need. He's a yeah. very very good right winger. And he he, he's obviously played. He's obviously from Partizan Belgrade, like Alexander Mitrovic and like uh, Stavis Djukanovic. So you can see that connection there. Another Serbian is Bedel. Is he still in this area? Bedej, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, Bedel is Croatian. 
Oh, he's a Croatian? Yeah, and he's out of contract. They hate so the Serbians. The only thing is, he's 32 years old, which is a little bit... It's a little bit old for us, but I think he'd come in and do a job. I think the thing about Zivkovic, really is, which is the key, is is that he, yes, obviously has played right wing for, for, for a variety of you know the games this season, but also he really excelled when he came in and played a centre midfield role. And, and just that kind of pick the ball up from deep, kind of drive, could do a job very much ahead of Janssen, I think. Um, and I think that... You know, someone with that ability to both play wide and central. I mean, if we if we had if we had Zivkovic, I'd definitely be wanting to play him out wide. I agree with you, but but someone who has the ability to play both of those positions. I know he can play ability. I just don't think in this. I don't think he can. He will play the Hansen role in the way that we need him to. I think that you, anyone which who is a utility man and, and can play two positions at a very high standard, is going to be someone who's play about five. Is is someone who's who's going to be good value for us, right? Yeah, I really like the idea of signing Bedell on a free if we can get hold of him it'd be a, a great alternative or someone that you could play in double pivot next to McDonald I think they'd, they'd work well together what are your let's do a top three in terms of priorities for you what we need to sign and the positions we need to strengthen so you know your most important your second most important and your third most important if we kind of keep it more simple are we ignoring loans coming back uh, no, I think for now you can maybe presume that some loans might come back. For instance, Mitrovic, I would like to think, seems more likely than unlikely, for instance. Okay. Uh, I think centre-back, right centre-back is probably the the most important position that we need to sign a person in. Yeah. Um, and I think that after that it's probably right winger and then centre midfield. Okay. Ben? Uh, centre-back, right winger, right back. So, so you don't think you think a right back cover for Christie or competition for Christie is more important Com- than like a Johansson? Uh, I think we'll get someone in to probably be uh, competition to Johansson anyway. Hmm. But I, I think, think the we priority need to. priority at this at this stage for me is going to be a right back. I mean, <clears throat> we talked about this last year, and I talk about it all the time. Defense for me is where you build upon a team. If you don't have a good defense, uh, what's the point in even being there? If you're going to let in four goals a game, what's the point? So we have we have to tighten up the defence. So it keep, keeps you in a division, and especially against some teams that can batter you. Exactly. And you look at maybe Stoke in the first three months of this season, who actually were fairly potent going forward, but they were conceding seven at Man City. Yeah. You know. Four against United. Four against West Ham. You've got no chance. Yeah. Fair enough, Dom. Yeah. If we're if we're including Zivkovic, not Zivkovic, if we're including Mitrovic, and then we're looking at another three, so then yeah, I'd be centre back so critical. Dennis had always not going to be able to keep up with the Premier League I don't think no. I think a centre-back isn't and we just don't really have any because you think about Callas is obviously going to be going back to Chelsea and I can't see us making his move permanent if the transfer is above 5 million and then oh yeah so centre-back uh, right right winger and then centre midfield just seen a breaking news story I hate to raise Benicophobia is in advanced talks yeah, I saw this with earlier. Stoke. Yeah. yeah, I saw this earlier. Yeah, yeah. They signed. They've, they've made, potentially making a two million pound profit within about four days. Four days. Yeah, he signed four days ago. For yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, I saw this earlier on Sky Sports News, and it's just. I think it's one of those signings that sort of you buy him just so you can get these sell-on value. I mean, it's, really? it's utterly amazing. It's amazing business that it happens. Have you seen that Fulham have also been linked with uh, right back from Turkey? Yeah. Gokan Gunul, Gunul. Uh, he plays for Besiktas at the moment he's out of contract this summer yeah out of contract 33 years old which makes me feel like the link is somewhat tenuous at this stage but he's had a, a few good years he played at Fenerbahce before then won two 
Turkish leagues in a row with Besiktas as their starting right back. And is a Turkish international. I think he's had had, had over 60 or 70 caps. That's a very different kind of signing to the one that Fulham have been making. Exactly, which um, makes me think like the link is quite tenuous. Just with all the stats and stuff, signing a 33-year-old doesn't really fit with the model. But Agreed, but things might change. It's yeah. a free. There's, th- I think. But, there I mean, is... with a free, you always have to pay a higher signing on fee, often higher wages. Like yeah. quite often, that free is negated by the actual. I, I completely agree, but I don't think we're going to suddenly like become send like you know, Gakan Gunul, our, our highest paid player. So you know, it's. Mm. It, I think if it comes, it's going to be with a caveat that we'll probably sign him on a one-year deal with maybe a, you know, a year extension optional on it, and and I think that that's the kind of smart signing that you can make on a free. And now we're a Premier League club, as opposed to a Championship club, we can maybe afford to gamble on a few more of those kind of deals. And stockpile a little bit. Yeah, yeah. My only concern is if you start gambling on thirty-three-year-olds, we become we become the team that we were when we got relegated. Yeah, I, 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 in, I don't really want to be signing any players above 30, really. No, I, I completely agree with you, but I don't think that uh, an experienced right-back, especially because, you know, look at the academy talent coming through in terms of Fossey and Sessegnon. But I feel yeah, like they need someone to guide if you're them, signing a 33-year-old right, right-back, he just doesn't fit the system you play. No, OK, maybe not. But as in, that's what we're saying, is that Fulham are going to have to become more of a, you know, a utility knife next year. We're going to have to learn what games we can try and dominate possession in and what games we're going to have to sit back and soak it up. And I think that... You're going to sign Danny Elvis. Well, yeah. But in terms of, you know, in, in those kind of regards, we're going to have to have different dimensions to us next year. And if a right-back who it can sit deep and, and, and defend the line more than, you know, someone like Christie or Federick's can, then maybe that's an option. All right, well, let's move on to kind of the second agenda uh, that I wanted to do today. A bit of a, a run through the season. Now, last year when we did an end of season review, we took nearly two hours to kind of run through each game. Now, I don't think we should do that this year because I think especially like the, uh, the undefeated run has been so well documented along so many stages. I think that we maybe might be repeating old ground if we if we go over that again. But... It's now a nice time. It's been how many days? Nine days since Nine Wembley. Nine days. And it's a nice time to look back at the season and just kind of establish where we've come from and where we've got to. Because actually... Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, very much so. Well, started from sixth place in the playoffs from last year and now well, we're here. Well, it started from Nietzsche in Poland and now we're here. Now we're here, yeah. I mean, pre-season, when you look back at this season was definitely not one of our best. No, we were shit. Like, I mean, there's no two ways about it. I, well, we, we don't normally look at results, but I remember we got hammered 8-2 by Chelsea. I was... I was... Yeah, I was, I was concerned. slightly concerned. I mean, we did... Well, in the first pre-season game, we were going to go... No, we we only won the first pre-season game opponent via Nissan Cabana penalty. The second one, we were tuned up and blew the lead in the last five, ten minutes of the mm. game. Then Wolfsburg, everyone had a meltdown when we just got the dick from Mario Gomez. <laughs> like there was an abs- there was absolute meltdown on Twitter. Mario Gomez and Brian Fredericks even scored with his like left foot against Darmstadt. So that was wasn't from like the, oh no, wasn't from the halfway line. Didn't we score from the halfway no, line? We, no, yeah, that was no, a back that pass. Was last yeah. season's preseason, uh, Real Betis right back scored from the halfway line against us. Um, it's Betis, but it's fair to say that actually preparations for this season didn't go completely swimmingly and especially when you look at the signings and how they've turned out the summer summer wasn't the best was it the signings we made in the summer don't think one of them has made any sort of impact okay okay yeah 
Yes, he has a limited impact. So. Well, and quite a big very, impact, very good yeah, in in the in the end. Yes. Very much in the end. Oli Norwood did all right. <laughs> the open the opening batch yes. of yeah, games. Yeah, moment in the season. The opening batch of games as well wasn't the best in terms of results. I think we only got one win in our opening five games, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, um, that Ipswich game in that the Ipswich opening... game, we looked like Barcelona, but the week before we looked like Fleetwood Town. It was rubbish. I don't diss my boys. Fleetwood now managed by Joey Vaughan. Cod Army. I mean, there were some worrying signs at the start of this season, and I think we were all fairly confident at the time, if you look back at the podcast, that it was a blip and we'd we'd strike into some sort of form soon, but that never really came about. We were quite good against Norwich. We, we forget that. The first day of the season, we were actually quite good for the majority of the game. We just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And I remember we were 1-0 up and Niskan's Cabana hit the post, and yeah. that should have been game over. And Nathan Wasn't our goal scored. an own goal? Yeah, yeah, but it, it was, was after a really good run from Floyd Aite, to be fair to him. That's a first. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, but I remember reading out a three-word review from a Norwich fan afterwards, which was just both getting promoted. Yes, uh, I remember that. Uh, I, I never remember that. I never, it was one of those ones where... But Norwich also, like, I was quite impressed with their battling in that game. And I remember thinking, well, uh, you know, Ma- I think Madison was particularly impressive Wiltshire in that game. looked amazing up against Sessegnon. Absolutely bullied. Yeah, we were like, Wiltshire's the best right winger in the league. <laughs> yeah, we actually said that, didn't we? That was unbelievable. And then I remember that I think the next game at home after Norwich was against Bristol City, I think. No, was Sheffield when there was Sheffield Wednesday, which we was lost one nil, which was a pretty terrible. We affair. had about fifteen shots on goal. My mate, is, my mate is a Wednesday fan, says that's the best they've played all season. They they weren't even very good. We no, absolutely it was, battered it was like them. the best their best day of the season was beating us in August. Yeah, we we battered them for ninety minutes and they scored that really. It was a really good finish from Stephen Fletcher. Yeah, lovely. And um, but again, but that's we, the first as well. But we absolutely hammered them for ninety minutes and couldn't score. And it did feel a bit like that was going to be the way the season went, didn't it? Yeah, and we lost to Bristol Rovers, and I think that game. Most famous, I think, for Jack Collins's rants about AK-47 after that. I mean, it was an abysmal performance, that game. I mean, Matt O'Reilly was our best player. He was, by a mile. For me, going from Ipswich away, which is arguably one of the best performances I've ever seen Fulham put in, to going to Bristol City at home and losing 1-0 and playing shit. Who was, was, it? Was, uh, it was 1-0. No, you mean Bristol Rovers 1-0 in the oh, Cup. Oh, Bristol Rovers 1-0 in the Cup. was the shittest performance I've ever seen live. Ibrahim Assisi had the worst performance I've ever seen a professional footballer play, like play, and I've watched Thompson City at home. I've never oh, seen shit. a player play worse than AK-47 played in that or Bristol Rovers like, game. Ibrahim Masisa is even worse. It was it was The fact just, that he wore champagne it's, it's, predators it's, it's, with his socks rolled the whole way down, no shin pads on, four, he was amazing. I mean, that, that, it's, it's annoying because that was like two weeks after his, uh, or a month after his great double pivot performance at Leeds away. He was brilliant exactly. that day And that Leeds. good performance against Cardiff at home. Although no one is currently aware of his whereabouts. We see him on the Fulham website, but no one actually knows if he exists. Was it Ibrahima? Yeah. Yeah, he keeps standing up in a picture or two. I made a bet with someone that, uh, that song Ibra- would Ibra- Ibrahima would be a um, a massive chant on the Hammersmith end within a dozen games. And I did actually bet money, and I've I've never paid the bloke, because never, it's never come back. Call in if it's you, because yeah. we, we love it, and Sammy actually pays his dues. Who was yeah. it? I don't, some guy on Twitter and I made a bet with him that the Ibrahima Here We Go Again song would become a Hammy End classic. It is a Hammy End classic. I don't so know what you're talking about, mate. But I mean, have you ever heard the whole Hammy End belt out? More than once, yes. Yeah, no, your little section at the back of yes. page five. Um, and then you move on to September 
which I always think, when you look back at Fulham's season, is the most strange month where Fulham were clearly trying to find their feet. There were some decent results there against some good sides, especially in hindsight when you look at the likes of Cardiff who went up and Middlesbrough who were in the top six. And we got an away win at Forest and an away win at QPR, coupled with a defeat at Burton. I mean, looking yeah, back at the was, season, September makes no sense. That performance at Burton away is one of the worst I've seen in, a, in, in the league in a long while, especially how good we've been away from home in this season and last season. Two shit-house goals, though, from Burton. I know. Didn't Stephen Warnock score? Or yeah, something like that? he did. I mean, he hadn't scored in something I know, like Nor- that. I know he scored from like 20 yards out. That's because the goalkeeper just sort of fell over, I think. <laughs> but the, even in the Nottingham Forest win, we weren't that good. No, we weren't. Uh, we just brought. We just had Cabano and Molo on when the defence was really, really tired, just running. Like, Molo had an amazing game. Yeah, he did. Molo was quality in that game. I thought, oh, this guy's going to take I us thought he was gonna, I thought he was going to be the future. Yeah, he, we thought, all did. He was really good. Yeah, it, there were so many bad chances on Molo. I do miss him. I remember uh, being in a club shop after that very game that you were talking about and a guy buying a Molo shirt and being like, he's the greatest player I've ever seen in a Fulham shirt in the last five years. He'll be a club legend. Released. He will be a club legend. And against Cardiff at home, I remember, I think he made his first appearance and I was really excited. It was a pretty dour game and um, he lit it up. He lit up the entire game. I wouldn't game. say lit up, but he was, very, he was, he was eye-catching. He made... He's made some terrible decisions as a player. And that then Wolves I think, away game was a uh, well, was yeah. This tra- is the, he was a complete travesty. This is the kind of section that I wanted to move on to with the season. You've got, you know, the draw against Preston. We just scra- when we scraped that Dennis Adoy with a last minute goal. classic goal defeat to Villa, draw to Bolton again, a 90th minute kind of saviour. Defeat to Bristol City, defeat to Wolves. I, although the Sunderland game was a low point. I still think that defeat to Wolves, I remember thinking, wow, we are we are so far short here. We got absolutely played off the park, didn't we? Yeah. For for ninety plus minutes. Wolves didn't even get out of second gear. I remember that that pod was perhaps one of the one of the easiest ones we've ever had to do because all we had to all we had to talk about was how they played us off the park from minute one to and, minute. And 90. without being good. Without they, being good, yeah. And I mean, we all went up for that. And Jack, did you think at that stage there was still much promise still much hope that fulham could turn this around you know the answer to this question no, I, no, 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 I went absolutely off my rocker after that wolves game it's honestly i'm pretty sure still even worse than sunderland the single worst performance i've ever seen as a fulham fan it, we just were absolutely it's definitely disjoint. not the worst i've seen but it's up there we were dis- it was the worst league performance no whole 6-0 was the worst league performance I've okay all right basically there was no heart no fight no desire which slavisa played players out of position potentially still on purpose uh, I- i'm convinced still that there was something well, going on behind the scenes yeah yeah 100% and the- there was nothing the whole behind the scenes was wrong everything was wrong the, the, the whole game was an epitome of how bad things were at that point. And yes, potentially we overreacted, right? The, 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 you know, credit where credit's due, but criticism where criticism's due. And Slavisa got everything wrong that day. Well, it was three days after Craig Klein resigned that Wolves game. So at that time, and, and we'd been... Like, the war had been won. That's the thing, what it felt like in terms of if we were like, oh, if it was a Klein versus Jukanovic war, right, going on behind the scenes, at the time, we were like, right, Jukanovic has won. Maybe he'll now start playing position players in their positions. And he didn't. And it all just went Pete Tong from the very, very first whistle. I mean, we were being laughed at in the press. There was the whole thing about the sumo suits idea. 
And I was just thinking... That's quite funny, though. Come on. I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see that and, and paid good money to be there in person. But um, it just felt at some point like, how have we messed this up this badly? From us going on a pre-season preview of uh, and going right Fulham if it's not automatics then it's the very top of the playoffs at a minimum to, to where we were then it's it was quite a demise yeah when we done the video preview in the studio before uh, the whole season I think all three of us so it's like second or something like that yeah all, all four I think all four of us that were there unanimously said between us either second or up via the playoffs if not champions and at that point, it felt so far from actually being true. The whole club was in disarray. I, I, I didn't actually believe that we could pull anything off at that I mean, stage. I think, I think we were like. thankful that the other teams weren't sort of breaking away. That we were still apart in, from Wolves. Yeah, obviously apart from Wolves. But I mean, the teams in and around the top six, they weren't like make breaking away like you usually have like a top six or seven. Then you have sort of the latter half, bottom half. That simply wasn't the didn't case. Happen, yeah. We were still always like six or seven points off. I think at the most, really. No, we were always it was always single digits. Away from the playoffs, it was the performance though. It was it wasn't oh, the yeah, fact no. that we weren't. Yeah, I know that. It was just it. Was... No, no, you're right. You're you're absolutely spot on. Um, in terms of we weren't massively far behind into, but we felt as as a club, it felt like we were so far off the pace. And there were teams around us who were just, you know, like we were we were sitting there with the with the likes of QPR, and and we was like one of those ones where we were like, we're so much better than this lot, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Considering that after the game I'm about to mention, Brentford and Sunderland both happened, how important was Sheffield United? Oh, it was quality. No, it was I know it was a quality away day, but how important was the result? It was huge. It, it was huge, but it was also one of the weirdest games I've ever been to. Yeah. I was just like, what is going on? 5-4, by the way, if you're, uh, if you're struggling to remember. Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty sure they went 1-0 up. Yes, then yes, they did. Was it, did we go 2-1 up, then 2-2, two, two, then 5-2? Yeah, uh, we went five two up. I know we went five two up. Yeah, it went one nil to Sheffield United, yeah. two one to Fulham in the space of like two yeah, minutes. Then two, Leon two. Clark equalised. And then five two. Yep, and then well, like two we're play, so nearly two players away. scoring hat trick. Cessnon scored from outside the box, which is abs- right on his right foot, which is absolutely <laughs> unheard of. Shea Ojo got two. Yeah, yeah Shea Ojo was brilliant. That it, day. it was it was quality because I'd been giving him a lot of stick. I feel like it might be one of his first games back from his injury. It was yeah. And then he, he, he was he was brilliant that game. I was like, okay, Ojo can push on from here. He can be a quality player. And obviously that was sort of the time period where we're talking about statistically when Shea Ojo's in the side, we get better results. Yes, because basically he got injured in the QPR game where we won and then we didn't win an entire game and then suddenly he comes back in at Bramall Lane and we win again and then we won the next game against Millwall. I, we thought, thinking... I thought this that had 5-5 five, five written all over it. I was like, once I got that fourth... I was like, they're scoring another. It's just, mm. but then there was quite a few of those games this season. Actually, I was like, oh, QPR game and Sheffield Pacific. I was like, we're just going to mess up. But it, was, it sort of showed this se- what this season was about. That we weren't showing the, old, the Fulham of old. We, we had more resilience to our side. And then there was the defeat at Brentford, and this is the time where, certainly on this podcast, and I think we have to open up to it, where we questioned whether Slavisa should still be in charge. Absolutely. Was this Jack versus Dan Crawford part one? No, it wasn't. It was It was way before that. It, but it, I think that... I, was, com- I, was, I wasn't against it. I think it's completely legitimate to question the manager when you're having, you know, that kind of run of form. And, you know, if you had an employee who did really, really well for six months, right, and then the next six months just absolutely flopped, 
then you know it's, it's okay to question them if the six months after that they completely rewrite things and get it all right then at the end you go okay yeah i'm glad we stayed with that person in in the long haul but at the time it's perfectly reasonable to question that person right yeah completely. I, 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 I think i'm that, in your camp i think that where if criticism is fine where criticism's due as long as you can give credit when credit's due and Slavisa deserves massive credit for turning things around and sorting things out and, and really getting you know the, the boys back behind the team but at the time it wasn't weird to question whether he, well, he yeah, was the right man to take us it's forward it's brilliant that he's taken us from where we were to where we finished 100%. but it's also you got a question how we ended up in that position in from the where first we started place. correct I mean, I wasn't necessarily slav out at the time, but it was at that point where you were questioning, what is he doing? Yes. Especially, especially on that like three and a half, four hour train back from Sunderland. After, after you, but then to be fair with that, you just knew that was going to happen. How bad was that game? As a game, it wasn't actually as bad as Wolves performance wise. I think we played worse at Wolves than we did at Sunderland. Yeah. Um, we, to be fair, if it wasn't for Bettinelli, we probably would have lost that game three three nil. He made some very. But we also uh, like missed some. We did, we did. But I mean, to be fair, oh, uh, it sort of it was sort of reminding me tiny a, a bit of the FA, the FA Cup game we had when we drew nil nil. Mm. It was just one of those games where it was whoever took their chances. And then I think I spent the last twenty minutes of the game not watching, just lying on the floor. I remember. I was like, I am not. I can't watch this. This is terrible. Right at the back of the um, stadium of light. It's not quite the brilliant view you get of the city of Newcastle when you're at the back of that stand. And I was just like, what, what is happening? What has happened to our season? So much promise at the beginning of the season. From there, I know we were still only... I don't know where we were exactly in the table, but we were still like mid-table, maybe like 14, 15. I think we were 12, weren't we? That makes more sense, yeah, 12. So I thought, OK, playoffs is still just about attainable but we not ne- after that it just it felt after that Sunderland I would game. not no, no, I, no, ruled, no, no, no. I completely ruled it out after this Sunderland is, this is the point where I can sort of gloat because after that run of Fulham 4 Ipswich 1 the whole City 2 all game um, the win against Cardiff away and then that win against Barnsley and we we sort of slipped up against Sunderland it was a brilliant Christmas it was it, the perfect Christmas it was at that Christmas period where you sit there and think actually you know what this could actually be on and I had this glimmer of hope that we would do what Crystal well, Palace done especially when Steph Jones scored do you off. think after Sunderland that was possible yeah you can you can he even get it. the soundbite up from, it, this, yeah. from a Sunderland podcast where I say Crystal Palace have done it before there have been teams that have been in the bottom half and they've gone up on the playoffs and I, I still maintain that I thought deep down that we could do and it we've, we've also said that the league table doesn't matter until about January, February anyway yeah. as long as you're within touching distance mm. of those top of those top places then it's easily doable as you see we I know not every team going to go on a 23 game unbeaten run but it's as long as you're in and around there and it's not and then obviously we proved that with I mean that win against Barnsley wasn't the greatest performance I didn't go to the game I was too hungover but were you there? were you there? no it's the only game I missed this season I, I, oh, Barnsley at home. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, I definitely remember you at home. No, no, no. Well. So, yeah, Barnsley at home when I, I think Ojo scored the winner, maybe. He did with that weird cross yeah, shot. Yeah, cross yeah, shot. yeah. So, I went to the pub after the game. I just didn't go to the game because I was too hungover. <laughs> and then, but then the first, the time when I was like, okay, we're definitely not, well, okay, we're not definitely getting plus, but it's definitely, definitely on, was def- was probably that card of performance, really. Because we were mm. brilliant in that game. And I was like, how is this team where they are on the table? And the way we played in that game, we tore them apart. I mean, Kenneth Soho obviously scored that wonder goal, when he, which is one of the best goals I think we've probably conceded yeah. this season. Yeah. Adam Lafondre might have something to say. No, I think I think Zaha is better. He's not even looking at the goal. He's really not. It's it's a full on Firmino no look. Yeah. I, I personally think though this, the the moment it turns round, it's Middlesbrough away. We'd got some good <laughs> victories. We'd got some good victories against Cardiff. We were 
resilient against Hull and Ipswich was just a breathtaking seven minutes and, and Ben and I were together for that game we were, yeah. and I just didn't know what I was witnessing the AK-47 show but Middlesbrough away we were absolutely dominated I know yeah we should have lost like 3-0 we were, we were genuinely awful and we'd have had no complaints no, if we lost that game, I was like, fair play, they were probably the better side. But then, obviously, Callas comes on, like, basically wrestles a Brit... I think it's Brit Sombolonga to the floor or mm. someone. Then Brit, then Brit Sombolonga obviously hits the crossbar or whatever it is. And then From, like, two yards out. Yeah, and then, we obviously, we go up the end of the pitch. We get a dubious penalty, I think is the best way to call it, because it's, it's not a stone penalty. No, it's not. It's and not. then, obviously, Norwood steps up, pings it, and then half the Fulham crowd end up on the pitch. Let's move on to the big six as we call it. We got some good wins and, and Barnsley was a great away day and, and Burton was emphatic. But let's move on to that big six because that, for me, was a turning point. We we drew away at Bolton and then we just saw this run of games. There was Villa at home, Bristol City away. Bristol City were very, very much in the playoff, if not automatic promotion picture at that point. Wolves, we all know about. Derby were were, were well up there. They were bubbles. As- they were like third in the league. As yeah, were Sheffield right. United, uh, and Preston were kind of never quite there, but always... But always gave us trouble. Always on the outside. So we saw those six games, and realistically, how many points do you think at the time before those you expected how many, to get? How many games was it? Games so six, six games, said, 18 points. We said if we got 11, we'd be in with a final Yeah, and chance. I assume yeah. something about that, yeah. Well, we got 16. I know. It was, it was at this point where... Perhaps the biggest catalyst of the whole season had arrived in the shape of Alexander Mitrovic. And I think he's the guy that probably um, changes the whole fortunes of the club um, in just six months' time. What, his gives... first goal was Bristol City away, right? Yeah, it was. Um, or was, was it? it? No, no, no. Uh, no, it, it was the game before that. Was it the game before it that? It was Villa at home, wasn't it? No, he doesn't score against no, Villa. No, he doesn't score against Villa. His debut's at Villa, but his first goal, he scores the opener against Villa. He was a bit slow in those first goals. Yeah, yeah. He, he came did. on against Forest and like, had his header saved off the oh, line. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he was quite slow in those games. It was taking him time to time to pick up the pace. His first yeah. goal though was against Bristol City. So I went to I went to the Forest games with uh, with all my with all my cousins, and that was the first time that we watched him. Uh, we watched Mitrovic play, and it was at that point where you sort of sat there and thought Fulham didn't play particularly well, but you could see what Mitrovic was going to give us in the long term once he got himself fit. And it wasn't until around about. Bristol City that you realised that he was going to be the catalyst to take us over the line that goal was from a Cyrus Christie assist a it was a very nice assist well. isn't going to work we, all, we always score we always score nice goals against Bristol City um, and, and I think that Mitrovic came alive though Wolves at home yeah which was such a statement, which was like, OK, Wolves, you are the best team in this division and there is no doubt about it. You were go- They were champions by January and they came to Fulham and we went toe-to-toe with the league's best side. Yes, they were missing Ruben Nevers and that was a big loss for Wolves. And but he's not as good as Ryan Sesson. No, he is so Ryan Sesson not- was also 17 at the time. I don't know if commentator <laughs> yeah. mentioned it. Um, but- also, he's English. Ryan Sesson was English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> why, that's why he won player of the year. Um, but we went toe-to-toe with the best side in the division and outplayed them. Like, didn't just get a fluky win, didn't just score a screamer, we just outplayed them. And it was at that moment you're thinking, wow, this is this is really special. Well, we yeah, you, 90 minutes. Yeah, you was, you obviously, the season before when we finished sixth was, was great, but we... I don't. I feel like we were just all guns blazing in that season, and there wasn't any sort of structure or st- massive stability if you compare it to this season. 
So yeah, that game is when everyone thought, well, we're actually we have a really good chance of actual promotion now. I feel like the weeks leading up to that were sort of like, okay, we're, we're, we can definitely get playoffs, but will it be a bit like last season? Whereas that, you're like, if we can play like that, we will beat, we will batter any team in the league. And then was the following game derby. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously we take a, a two 0 lead. Sessegnon scores the first. Is it no? Mitrovic gets the first goal yeah. from a well worked set piece. Johansson on, on the edge of the How box. How often do we say that a well worked set <laughs> never, piece? Never. No, that's not a thing. And then obviously um, Sessegnon from the second from the most perfect yeah. Johansson assist of all time. This is the point so where also that is very finish. underrated limbs of the season there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Only for me. Because I just went. You f- went down about thirty rows, didn't you? Backwards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had awful concussion and like whiplash for like, the next five days. But I mean, it was an interesting one at this point because I think people, you know, you watch Channel Five and it was Colin and Mickey Gray saying, "I think Fulham can go the rest of the season unbeaten." Yeah, Mickey Gray said that, didn't he? And. We well, were all like, good curse, Mickey, thanks. <laughs> but actually, spot, not nearly spot on, to be fair to him. That was the, the point first, where first, I think well. Fulham fans were really believing that there was a race for second. For me, it was on that Tuesday night against uh, Sheffield United at home where they were really they came out before the match and said that we were going to make it really difficult for Fulham. And we said on the preview pod that we thought it would be one of our most toughest games of the season. I went with two, two friends who had never seen Fulham play this year and I hadn't seen them play for a while. And we barely got out of second gear we beat them 3-0 comfortably. The last 25 minutes was basically a training session where we passed it around them and occasionally had a shot. We kept the ball for something like nine minutes. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was absolutely ludicrous. I had a friend in the Sheffield United end and he was like, we just left. He was like, it just wasn't even like fun. He was like, yeah, obviously the crowd were making noise and stuff. He was like, but I've never seen us so comprehensively outplayed. I mean, we, if we cheered the Sheffield United passes. Yeah, we did. If there's a performance that was basically like what Wolves did to us it was that against Sheffield United at home we were untouchable that day we could have played anyone we would have beaten them we were so good yeah. that, Mitro, that Mitrovic goal uh, which is our in. second goal which is oh. a touch in down the channel ball that makes it look so effortless it's such a wonderful goal I think that's criminally underrated goal it's, in the concourse, it's, so. it's amazing technique and then this kind of like final run of the season QPR came after we'd done the big six and we liked it and and then obviously there was going to be disappointment after that and, and it's Dennis Adoy's slip and it was unfortunate but when you look back at all the results it was it was unimaginable that I mean it was one thing Fulham not to lose any of the games but to Fulham to win every single game when you look back of it would have just been a bit ludicrous no of course but like you bear in mind things like Preston where we just really didn't deserve to win and we mm. won oh yeah no that was, that was well, there was a lot of performances in there where I was like we've just done a job here Okay, I said it about like four, a four away games in a row I was like we've just done a Joseph Jazeera for like the last yeah, four away really games in a row great ref and it's like because Pres- yeah Preston job right yeah 100% Mid- Middlesbrough job Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield, no, less that, so. That's, that's later on. Then obviously Derby was job. It was a job because a obviously bit, yeah, towards the end. But a good yeah. performance, and it made Derby made Derby away good for like the first time ever. Because usually I hate Derby away. And it's just oh, I have to do Derby again. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because we went to the half after the game and then a random fight broke out. That was there weird, was, wasn't it? Yeah. Really strange. Oh, I mean, you were in there as well. Yeah. Weren't you? After that QPR game, where it was so obvious that we were going to drop points as soon as Matt Smith scored before half time. I just couldn't believe that we would go on a four-game winning streak without conceding a goal against some good opponents as well there in, in 
we Norwich, were, we were a bit Leeds, wor- we were worried about we were worried about those i think we were worried that we'd slip up somewhere and therefore that was i think why we thought the qpr draw was so crucial because we thought there are more difficult points to come and if we can't see it over the line against qpr how are we going to do it but there, there's a lot there's a lot to be said about the underestimation of our defense uh, especially a defensive metal towards the end of the season where there were clean sheets in 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 basically every game I would say apart from Sunderland at home Birmingham away and Brentford at home is all the rest of those games we kept a clean sheet you love the word identity and yeah. you, you, I think from minute one of this podcast you kind of brought the lexicon into our lives and and you spoke about you know how Slava did had an identity and certainly towards the end of last season it was a little bit of a case of we're just going to score loads more than you yeah and then in those four games, I think epitomise what the the more the Fulham 2.0 of Slav's plan yeah. became, where it's actually, yes, we can score a load of goals if we really, really need to, mm. but we're not going to come here and try and batter you 5-1. We're going to get a goal, we're going to be sensible, we're going to keep the ball, and this is going to be just one of the most professional football performances you've ever seen. Some might call it boring, but it was not boring because it was just... It was. It's the most nasty. offensively stable we've been since Hodgson. It was the evolution of a t- of a team that sh- knew what they wanted to do in the playoffs and and done it early, rather than getting to two games before the playoffs and being like, okay, we need to change our style of football to suit a cagey atmosphere, where we need to keep the ball out of the back of the net at all costs. We we done that fairly early, and for the last like ten or fifteen games, we must have kept, I don't know, ten or ten or eleven clean sheets. If we're saying I it's like more size of fifteen, I know Bettinelli when he since he came into the side got over. He's, yeah, he's got it was 13, 13 or 14. Yeah, it was 13. 13 in the unbeaten run, I thought was the... Yeah, because I, I remember they were comparing him and Sam Johnson ahead of the playoff final. Yeah. I think it was 13 clean sheets. And that's that's what we talk about. when In terms of our, our identity last season, it was free-flowing attacking football where you score ter- like three or four goals every single game. Well, it was a bit like Liverpool this season, yeah, in a this, way. But the second half of the season turned into an identity that was a completely new one in the fact that we were much more resolute in the defensive side of things. We didn't take a huge amount of risk and... I think the huge factor in that is probably um, signing Matty Target on loan because he's a he's a fullback that knows how to defend and get forward, which is quite scarce in the modern game. Actually, I thought he offered us a lot of balance to a squad that, previous to his signing, was completely unbalanced. And and that kind of resoluteness really paid off in the end when it was a difficult KG game at Wembley in the sun when you're knackered <clears throat> and. Yeah. Fulham just adopted what they did in this kind of run of games. Also, with if, well, no, we moved to play our final at, towards him, but it, we sort of about that. We actually changed, not yeah. changed identity in a way, but we changed our our style and system completely for that game. Yeah, which is something you do not see see from Slav. He's like, no, I don't change my system or my style, but he did. But if we if yeah, if we're going back, it was it was a more effective style of football that still had the sort of beauty of the passing game it wasn't like last season where it was sort of all guns blazing okay we'll just score three three more goals in you whereas this season it was like okay we'll get we'll get a one nil lead or a two nil lead and we'll sit on it yeah and we know how to keep this lead now it was maturity wasn't it i, I think, think that's the word i think the the word for me should be well from in my opinion i'm not going against yours it should be pragmatism mm. because there's a certain pragmatism to that style of football where although it is all out attacking football you have to have an element in there where you do whatever you can do to get that win and that is why some would argue that guardiola is more pragmatic yeah I was, just, I, was, I was just about is. to say that i was like yeah it's just the argument that Mourinho is more pragmatist than guardiola is just ridiculous 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's incorrect. If you keep the ball, then the other team can't score. Yeah, and you, you're sticking to your you stick into your principles because you find the best way to get a win. Sure, any good manager is a pragmatist because that's what they're going to do. Hundred percent. Uh, it's a, it's a, that's an argument for a different day, but you're completely spot on. And then end of the season, we kind of know what happened. A brilliant win at Millwall, which just if ever there was a doubt about the metal. The Millwall game was such a hurdle, wasn't it? Because it was a cauldron. I've never known a football atmosphere like it. I'm not sure I ever will experience anything like that again. It it was. I'm sure that there are... You know, atmospheres in world football like it. I mean, so I more meant as a, I more meant, I actually more just meant as a Fulham fan. As a Fulham fan, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It was it was different kind of gravy, I suppose, is the the, the word I would use. It was Bisto over KFC, in it. Hundred percent, mate. It was. Um, <laughs> the granules in, get it yeah, thicker, innit? Like, thicker, thicker sauce. <laughs> it was thicker sauce at Millwall. Pure Bisto. It was. It was a very, very, very different atmosphere to anything I've kind of really ever experienced before. You're you're, you're spot on. Um, that oh, it was very similar to the noise I think that like Italian fans make in 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 kind of derby games is, is the what, kind of Lazio Rome and Stadio Olimpico. Is what it's, mm. it's, it's, I, I was I, I mean I was at, I was at Milan Juve, I was at Milan Juventus at the San Siro um, this in, in October. Well, they Mill for six. And they just shouted Mill. Um, but no, it's that kind of you know that sound that that, that English football fans don't really make. Mm. And, and you know you you know it just from watching Sunday nights on you know in on in Sky Sports or on BT well, Sport. Like Perugia against Verona is one of them. Hundred percent. Or you watch it in Spain. <laughs> when they score, they make different noises. Yeah, they don't yeah. make the same sound that English fans make. It's nuts. And, and but across Europe, is that kind? Of, and that's the kind of atmosphere and the kind of cauldron that Millwall made. And it, it really was you know quite quite intimidating. And I imagine that as you know, a player that's very scary. And you ask Ryan Fredericks how yeah. how intimidating it was because you know he lost his head for half an hour. Uh, I think that when Fulham answered that those questions and look, we got a bit of luck, right? We got a bit of luck in terms of Tim Ream made an incredible block where it could the ball could have gone anywhere, but it happened to come into him. And credit where it's due, he you know got himself in that position, but the striker still had to hit it in the right position. I also think we got relatively lucky if they disallowed goal. Yeah, okay, because I, I think targets already. Going down. It's the same goal that Cameron Jerome scores against Derby, right? I yeah. think we also got very lucky in the fact that Jordan Archer had clover all over his gloves for that second so, half. Right. Couldn't hold a thing. There we are. So there are lots of things. But Fulham came through that test with flying colours, right? And it doesn't matter how lucky you are in the grand scheme of things. No one remembers that Millwall had a disallowed goal seven minutes into the game. They also remember, don't remember that they Fulham, hit the bar. They they remember that Fulham got promoted, right? Um the other test though that obviously Fulham didn't come through was that afternoon. At St Andrews again, it was blazing sun. It was boiling hot. The pitch was long. Birmingham were up for it, and unfortunately, it felt despairing after. Especially that. after being in Birmingham for four days. Yeah, <laughs> well, four days to see that. You done that out of choice. There's no one forced you to stay in Birmingham for that long. Mate. Yeah, I got I got to see Van Barbara win the Premier League. So <laughs> every, cl- every cloud, every cloud, mate. Every Barney cloud. Army. It was demoralising though had we known what was to come then it would have been fine but at the time it really felt actually I thought the first 15 minutes was actually was fairly optimistic it's when Mitrovic as I said before on this podcast when he misses that chance do you mean Piazon oh it's Piazon sorry (laughs) when Piazon misses that chance he said this after the Birmingham pod (laughs) we had this exact no one no one corrected me I remember no I listened back to it no one corrected Ben I remember no you just let me say it yeah we let him all of of our thousands of fans Mm, think I'm a mug now anyway you're you're still leading the favourite podcasting race everyone loves you (laughs) big up all those thanks for the support when um 
Piazzol misses that chance after 15 minutes, it's like all hope just drained out of Fulham's legs. And after that, we were terrible. We literally couldn't put it past us. I mean, Matt Target threw up. That was the moment <laughs> for me that I was like, I think we might be in trouble here. <laughs> like, even when we conceded, I was like, well, we'll probably still win. And the then whole I saw day, Matt Target why throw he, why up. Why is he throwing and up? And then I saw Matt Target throw up and I was like, oh, what's going on? What's it's, like, it's like when you, you do like cafe shot, a shot of Cafe Patron or something. He's like, oh, no. No. No, that did not go down the right way. No. It just, it's everything, really everything was going wrong that, that kind of could go wrong. Even the atmosphere it was weird. I didn't like the Birmingham fans being behind us. And I just, yeah. I just to found... To be fair, they don't usually ever sell tickets there. No, I know. It was only for this game. The whole thing just felt wrong from the moment it set off. The fact that that pitch was stickier than sticky, I don't even know what to compare it to, but it was just unbelievable. The that ball just goal, wasn't rolling. The first goal is the weirdest thing I've ever seen where the ball just... Obviously, Target's just like, stops. well, that's going out of play. And then the ball just stops. And you're like, what's happened there? Like, why has that ball just completely <laughs> the grass, stopped dead? The grass hadn't been watered in about three days previous. It felt like Fulham were playing on a downhill pitch. Like, it, it, it was almost that kind suddenly, of effect. <laughs> suddenly, Lukas Jukovic was like the best striker in the yeah, whole he, wide he does world. Yeah, every time he plays St. Andrews. Like, Sign him up. Yeah. Get him on the plane. Then, I mean, we won't so go. Let's not do. Let's not hang on too much in the playoffs because we've got lots to get through. But we came through Derby. Um, it was a brilliant day, and then it was just it was just the magical ending. And, and we've almost done it in the last half an hour on this podcast. You kind of see where we came from and what we came to. Mm. Okay. The debate of what's your favourite season, I think, is a bit tedious because this one. They're, they're so and incomparable but this one had everything in terms of a story i enjoyed it since january i think it had a beginning it had (laughs) your best six months it had a beginning a middle and an end it just had this beautiful god i love god i love narratives yeah that's what it had though i'm not being mad i'm not peter drury over here i love narratives and and Fulham had a narrative, and there were heroes and villains and all sorts along the way. And you know what, we we came through a horrible period of adversity, led by you know lots of us, right. including me. And I was you know I'll be the first to put my hands yeah. up and admit that I was up for, for getting rid of Slavica. Jack- is the title pod heroes, villains, and Marcelo Jallo? So. Heroes, villains, Marcelo Jallo. <laughs> yeah, um, it's look. I was the first to admit that I was I was very much in the like Slavica's lost the plot. We've gone mad. You know why can't we put why can't we play players in their right positions? And he deserves massive cre- credit, as I've said, you know, for turning that round, and and for all that he's done since then. And you know, I, I tip my hat to him because he he was the one that answered that criticism. We said that if anyone if anyone had to answer the criticism, it was Slavisa. He had to sort his selections out, sort his team out, and get them playing like a unit again. And he did that, and credit for that because. And that's led us to the point where yeah. we are now. Because, I mean, that's Wolves what was, the, was the worst thing he's it done w- since he released Jack Grimmer. Uh, 100%. Yeah. It, but that's it. We're, you know, we're up there now, and, and, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Scottish cafe, as I say. Well, let's, I think, look, I think we've done a cracking job reviewing the season. I think it's actually been much more enjoyable than I thought it was as Dom opens himself. What, what are you drinking there? Estrella, innit? Oh, right, no, Estrella, okay. innit? Estrella. Paul Favor. Um, Uno Carling, Enrique. I've actually really enjoyed that, going back <laughs> through the season, because there's been so many talking points all the way through, and uh, we've got loads more to come in the podcast. Let, let's be honest, it was always going to be a bit of a bumper today, so... I'm sorry to the uh, podcast analyticers over there that don't like anything over an hour, but let's just face it, it was always going to be long. So we'll take a quick break and then we're going to do some questions. 
She said, "Do you love me?" I tell her only partly. I only loved him. Remember Target? I'm sorry. Hello, and welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Ben Jarman. Bonjour, listeners. <laughs> Don Betts. Hello, hello. Oh, I thought you were going to go for another language. Yeah. Well, like, ciao, ciao, listeners. Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> it's racial stereotyping. I don't like it. <laughs> We've been through uh, the season review. I hope you enjoyed it. A bit longer than maybe we planned, but I actually thought it was it was very therapeutic. Yeah, it was quite nice. Yeah, I, I forgot how shit we were for like a yeah, lot of the season. Yeah, we were really bad. Uh, like that November December time, Jesus Christ. I know. So let's. Uh, get some questions in a moment we've got a few things to run through first we started talking about fredericks at the beginning of the podcast and we did tweet saying uh, it would be interesting uh, to get your thoughts on fredericks's departure for tonight's podcast so i thought i'd just read out a few of the uh, select tweets that came through uh, shout out first to steve lillis never let fulham down another firm offered more dough when his contract expired good luck to him if he can get big wages and a four-year deal which you know is quite a fair analysis of affairs and and you can see it from we didn't really discuss this we can totally i can see this move from frederick's point of view when you look at it from a you know perspective of a footballer basically his contract's run down he's been offered it's not like he's gone to like i don't know aston villa for more money he's staying in the same division in the same city he's been offered a really good deal and he's just gonna one 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 point that I don't agree with, but I saw on Twitter. Someone said it's a sideways move. I think it's anything no, but it a sideways move. Uh, he, you're not well. You you could get those wages at Fulham, but only if your name's Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah. Well, also like if it, look, there was also that report right that Fredericks wants to be Fulham's best paid player. That's not quite the case. I don't think. I think what was happening is no, that no, West Ham would have offered him wages of what forty fifty k a week, and he would have said to Fulham, if you can match this then I'll stay. That's what his agent would have said, and in doing so, would have become the best-paid player, right? So it's not about him coming... He's not walked into Tony Khan's office and gone, I want to be the best-played player at this football club. Like that, That's not how it is. What, what's happened is a club with more money and a, you know, a sufficiently you know, bigger budget to spend has offered him certain wages. He's probably said to Fulham, I enjoy it here, but I, this is the wages I've been offered somewhere else, and if you can match them, then I'd, I'd stay... And Fulham have gone, well, we can't really do that because you'd be the best paid player at the club, which is unfair to the rest of the players at the club. Yeah. And and ultimately, he he's moving to a club which has a higher Premier League pedigree than Fulham. And, and that's not a you know a slight on our club or anything like that. It's West Ham are a club with you know good history and and a, and a really good kind of yes. And it's have... shit. They play in front of a six, they play in a sixty thousand seater stadium. People you know people don't you know forget that while West Ham have had a bad season and that they have you know plenty of you know, historical pedigree and, and, and yes, they are not brilliant right now and things aren't perfect at the London Stadium. And while it's not perfect there at the moment, you know, things are, you know, they, they do have, they have had good days, they've had glory days and, and, and Brian Fredericks moving there isn't particularly, uh, it's not a bad move for his career. It's not like if West Ham had a terrible time, he wouldn't be able to find somewhere else to go either. You know, they're a, they're a, they're a club with, with a big fan base and, and massive history, and yes, they've had ups and downs, but ultimately he he's moving to to a, a club which has been in the Premier League far longer than Fulham has. Uh, let's go through a few more tweets. Dean Jones, friend of the pod, enjoyed having a part of that team, but if I had to choose a starting eleven player to lose, it would probably be him, which I think is close to fair enough. I still would have thought I wouldn't. 
you know, maybe a Dennis Adoy or something I would have maybe rather lost. Maybe, than... but not, there's not Manny, basically, no. I think is the key point. Uh, there's a brilliant tweet here from Louis. I'll go for it, yeah. Oh, sorry, I haven't got it. Hang on, wait. Well, while you find Louis's tweet, Cameron Church, he'll play regular football in the same city, in the same league, for twice the money. Perfectly logical move for him and Fulham, considering we have a more than adequate replacement in Christie. And as good as he was for us, he clearly wasn't worth his extortionate wage demands, which is kind of the point that Jack was making. There's a tweet. It's not from... I'm really sorry. It's not from Louis. It's from Louis's dad, Chris. Okay. He says, is anyone surprised by this? We all know that Fredos get more expensive every year. Oh, lovely. Which I thought was really clever. I really enjoyed that. So, Uh, shouts out to you, Chris. A couple more. Ed Doubts just said it's the chance fault. Yeah, we're going to have to find... I mean, uh, first it was Scott Malone. Now it's Ryan Fredericks. Don't give it to Sessignon. Can we give it to Stevie Humphreys? Go on then. Please. Uh, yes. Final oh, one. Coley Woodrow. Coley. Uh, couple Coley, quick Coley. final ones. Weekly Geekly, uh, who gets in contact a lot, actually. Good good lad. Uh, liked him a lot during the last few years. Lightning pace, always close to a red card. Amazingly, the same trick worked every time in the championship. Wish him well. I think the writing was on the wall when Christie signed in January. I always kind of get amazed. I'm thinking, yep. Yep, left back, and he's going to go outside you. Oh, and he's done it again. He always did so seem to work. Final one from Luke Resch. Don't begrudge him the move. He served us so well the past two seasons. Just a shame he said he wanted to test himself in the next level with Fulham after the playoffs, even though it was blatantly already in the pipeline. When he went on that holiday, I found. That must I reckon those weird. photos of West Ham were done like three, three or four weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where it's the one where he's swinging his medal around. <laughs> like... You're right there, pal. He's, what, is he in, he's in Vegas, some club in Vegas or bar in Vegas, isn't he? Yeah, they seem to have had a good time. Look, is, if that's his goodbye... I mean, goodbye, yeah, Kevin McDonald hasn't been sober since the playoff final. Yeah, but like, let's put it this way. Look, if that's his goodbye, he deserves his, he deserves his swan song. If they're just out there having a good time. And also, it's not like all the Fulham players are out there who have been you know, massive parts of this. Like, you know, there's no... You can see from the fact there's no Kearney out there. There's no Mitrovic out there. Cess isn't there. They're all on their own holiday. I quite like, though, that... The Marcelo bo- Jallo's there. Yeah. Marcelo Jallo, Bettinelli, Target and the boys are all having a loose one in Vegas. Kearney's having a very sensible time uh, with his girlfriend. He's being a melt, is what... <laughs> should be out of the boys. Kev's on a sun lounger at the moment saying, just about to go home, love my boys on Instagram. Yeah, I think they're home. With a bottle of, I think they're with, home. Well, Tark's home. With a bottle of Freud in hand. Just, you know. Kev McDonald's the kind of bloke that on his arm he would have written Vegas 18, 2K18. I'm kind of into that, though. I hope this preseason doesn't bottle a game of pool against me. He did it last preseason. Don't panic. They're Premier League. You ain't getting anywhere near them this season. Uh, let's do the end of season Fulhamish awards. Now, this is kind of an inaugural thing. Last year, we tried to do some end of season Fulhamish awards and we took ourselves far too seriously. We tried to do like goal of the season and player of the season and boring stuff like that, which, you know, the club's, the club's got that covered. That's not what we're here for. We're here for awards like the first one, which is shithousery of the season. Don Betts. I'm going to let you announce the award. Who is the lucky recipient of this one? It was only ever going to go to one person. It's Kevin McDonald's absolute screamer. That's not the answer you to the question, it. pal. Oh, what? <laughs> what? It's not. It's That's shithouse goal of the season. Oh, that's I, a I separate did, I did, award. I didn't scroll up. My bad. Give it to me. <laughs> I'll right. do this one. You can do you can do Kevin McDonald's goal. I'm okay. not doing limp because I'll just say the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, you will. So the first awards shit out of the season. There were four options. Uh, AK47's dive against Derby took 14% of the vote. Frederick stapping on Grealish took 12% of the vote. Steffi Hansen's tackle on Lasoga against Leeds, which was a real highlight, 35% of the vote. 
but the winner with 39% of the vote. Stevie Hansen winding up James Madison with the 2-0 sign in his face, which was a, a real good real good time for everyone. Oh, Had by all. Also, it isn't just Madison. It's the entire Norwich team. Yeah, but also, like, we're trying to sign Madison now. Imagine how awkward <laughs> that would be first day of the training ground. So um, that was a good one, yeah. we're gonna I'm going to pass this to Don Betts, who's going to do the uh, the shithouse goal of the season award. I don't even need to look at it. I know what the answer's going to be. Well, let's go through the candidates. Well, best shithouse goals... Came last was Ojo against Barnsley. Which was a shot cross. I was just looking for another option, really. Next is Fredericks against QPR. This was going top bins. I don't know, I don't know what's in it. It's going top bins. So I, don't, I don't see. The third one is when it just deflects off K-Mac's cheek against Leeds at home. Yeah. Mm. And then obviously the winner has to be K-Mac at Barnsley. What a goal. Just, one, just wonderful. Just, it's a beautiful over kick. Great limbs. Yeah. For me, it's better than Rooney's against City. Oh, I'm really, really into that goal. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm vo- it better be on the goal of the season, like, shortlist. Yeah, Jeff Because I'm voting for it as goal of the season. Yeah, get it in there. It's him against John Dog, the one for Steinson. Jager Thornstein. All right, so JDT. up third, we asked you what the away day of the season was. Ben Jarman, please, can you uh, give this one out, please? Uh, there were four options for this. Uh, and coming in uh, last is Barnsley with 10% of the vote. What shocking. Uh, which is shocking, actually. Um, and then uh, after that is Sheffield United with 12% of the vote. Um, after that, I think Don Betts might have a breakdown, but Burroughs come in at 20% Disgrace of the vote in fixed. second. And then Mill come in at 59% of the vote. 59? 59%. How, so how is Mill Millwall ahead of... Look, I explained this to you earlier, Dom. No one's going to vote for an away day they weren't at. More people were at Millwall, therefore Millwall won. That's that doesn't mean it's the, and Millwall's in more. That recent also memory. doesn't mean that doesn't make it the away day of the season, though. But that's how public votes work. I don't Dom. care. That's not doesn't make it away. <laughs> the <laughs> best away day should be the best away day of the season. So not... only you can vote. Yes. <laughs> Look, next season you would have put surely you you would have put Barnsley over. Oh, the, over I, I, vote, vote I, I vote for Barnsley. Barnsley, but I didn't vote for Borough because I wasn't at Borough. Greatest day ever. Which I realised well, Bar- Borough must have been there. biggest Joseph Borough Desiree must, of the season. Borough must have been great, but it wasn't there. I still went mental in my living We didn't room. end up on a pitch on any other of those. So. Okay, well, I'll do the fourth one, which is online meltdown of the season. Tom Betts after, after Borough <laughs> yeah, no, th- I think this is the meltdown of the season. Uh, coming in last was 7%, which is when John Terry scored. I mean, you should have seen Tiff. It was not a pretty uh, sight. Snods, watch out for them coins, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, coming in third, which I was quite surprised. I thought this would definitely be number one, which is when Craig Klein left. I mean, the whole... I think pro- everyone forgot that. To be honest, I think the Freak online out. meltdown of the season was off the Fulham kind of Twitter sphere, shall we yeah, say. If you go on TIFF, I think it might be different, mate. Well, maybe, but like, I think more like there's in the meltdown was in the press. It was in the national press mm. rather than, you know, on the Fulham message boards. Fair enough. Well, with 20% was uh, the January deadline day before Metro happened. That I mean, was terrible. I was, at, I was at work all day, so I didn't actually realise what was happening. I, I spent ages I was just asleep. watching the I came feed. out of work, so I was like, Mitrovic, oh, I was class. I spent ages watching the feed because I wasn't working the next day, and I was just there like, this is amazing. People are actually fully having breakdowns that we haven't yeah. signed. I was, at, I was at work from like midday till midnight, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I was fully asleep. I went to bed at like nine and then woke up in the morning. So, I mean, it was lovely for me. Yeah, very pleasant. I mean, it was desperate. I mean, I really enjoyed myself, but the people on Twitter didn't. Yeah, but I by... just remember that day being like, uh, Alexander Mitrovic has moves broken down to Anderlecht and just saying to my dad, oh, he'll go to Fulham, very tongue-in-cheek. And I walked around to the front room, Sky Sports saying, Alexander Mitrovic has signed for Fulham. What the fuck? My mind was literally blown. 
predicting the future, mate. And then, but with a staggering 61%, a landslide victory for after Sunderland away. Um, the first defeat, well, the first home win for Sunderland of 2017. Fulham looking in disarray at the time. And, and we alluded to it earlier as to what a kind of toxic atmosphere that was at the time. So no surprise that after Sunderland away uh, is the winner. Two awards left. Uh, let's hand back to Jack and Dom for these ones. So Jack, the penultimate award is Bromance of the Season. We've given Dom the big one. I'm really into this. So um, the p- Bromance of the Season, uh, the, the, the twins come last with this one. Ryan and Stephen Sessional with 4%, <laughs> despite the fact that they've been repping this weird clothing brand. And are actually brothers. Yeah, but they have actually, they, they've spent most of the year online repping this strange they should, clothing they should, brand. They should go with the hashtag Keep It Sess. I mean, there's, there's no... Yeah, also, like, as they do Team Sess, don't they? Including yeah. Big Chris. Big Chris um, as uh, well. Why is there not Team Sess merch? I mean, yeah, is... no, I'd probably buy it. Maybe, I that, maybe we should do Team that. What, right. Fulhamish merch? Fulhamish Team Sess merch on incoming in your in your screen soon. Do we have to give them, like, a cut? Don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we can do. I don't think they'll be that fast. I imagine they make far more money than either of us make. Um, Niskan Scabano and AK47 Should've coming won. in at 10%. Yeah, I think this is an underrated bromance. They're, mm. they're Instagram, you know, feed together is very very funny Listen, like their obscure french rap is is really nice i actually yeah. quite enjoy it Muhada and the boys yeah yeah and 41 percent, very close to winning it here rui font and and lucas piazon which they was uh, they other. they do love each portugueses. other they're portugueses as we um as we've alluded to before uh, the win of it the winners the winoviches are um <laughs> are the viches uh Jekanovic and mitrovic coming in with 46 percent of the vote the serbian partisan connection partisan uh, boys the boys making it happen, 46% vote. So Jukanovic and Mitrovic are bromance of the season. I'm going to hand you on to Dom Betts for the final award, Limbs of the Season. No, this thing is incorrect. <laughs> he doesn't like it. I don't, it's just wrong. He don't like right. it. Read it. <laughs> and the final award, Limbs of the Season. We have, the options are Nord against Borough, Dennis Adoy against Derby, Kearney against Villa, and K-Mac against Millwall. Fourth place is Ken McDonald against Millwall. Best goal of the season, mate. Just turns his man, pings it, top bins. I thought the best goal of the season was K-Mac against Barnsley. Yeah, whatever, any K-Mac goal is the best goal of the season, mate. I'll change my name in five seconds. Next, which is Disgrace, Norwood against Borough. Second is Adoy against Derby. And winning it is the playoff final winner in Kearney against Villa. I'm not having this. <laughs> I'm just, just simply not having this. We got thirty in Venice. I mean, it's a goal that secured our place in the Premiership. I'd say it's up there. You know, yeah, maybe for a moment, but not limbs. I definitely celebrated Norwood's goal more. Mitro second against Preston, Preston more, yeah. and came back against Mil- came back against Barnsley more. Yeah, I, I they agree. were my top three. Because I mean, I wasn't there for Borough, but the but other honestly, two were Norwood very against Borough are for me has to win limbs of the season. Because it, I know not many people were there, but it doesn't matter if you're there, it's still limbs of the season. People ended up on the pitch. I think it's a disgrace that Alex Smithies' miss against Fulham when the 94th minute wasn't up there for limbs of the season. That was heart attack of the season. <laughs> I couldn't have coped. I would have I would have stopped the podcast. That would have been over. That would have been it. It would have been over. Yeah, just, well, there's Fulham's Fulham award. Fulham-esque would have started. Fulham-ish's awards of the season are, are done. Many wrong answers, but... Uh... Don't but know. We're, I've, we're lost, done. I've lost all trust. Good. We're and done. and, and I, th- I guess also by popular vote, I think Ben Jarman's won podcaster of the year. Yeah, yeah. The fact Dom got about eight, he, Ben got about eight votes. Although Dom's come back like three or four in the last couple of days, but oh, I think it's about eight. I think it's about eight for Dom, uh, eight for Ben, five for Dom, one each for me and you, Sam, and, and zero for Farrell. So 
So what I would like to say on this is that you should not have stoked the fire. Yeah, we did stoke because the fire. Because you and Sam were boasting about it, and I said, no, no one will ever vote for me, and then all of the votes just rolled in. Well, you just did the classic guilt trip. I yeah. think people prefer quality over you know, yeah, guilt yeah, tripping. Well. Jack, what's coming Dead in the chat. bag? <laughs> We've got a lot of questions in, so um, shouts out to everyone. Let me who's... crack up a beer for these. Go on then, Sam. There it is. Big man. Um, we have some good questions. Tovi Eliasson says, will we be the last team to reveal our new shirt like we always are, and why is this? And why do you care? Like, Jen, why is this thing? Like, <laughs> no, Dom. That's not, that's not why we answer the No, questions. but, like, why do you care? <laughs> I, so I, can kind buy of, I kind of agree with Dom. I don't... I, I like it. I want to, I want to see the new shirt early for the boys. Kit numbers are more important to me than the shirt. Yeah, of course. They have kit numbers are huge. They have to be aesthetically pleasing, like the England ones are. They're, England ones are quality. Very, very good. Very, very good. The, the fact that all three right-backs are 2, 12 and 22 is amazing. Fantastic. Absolutely world-class from England. It's about the only world-class thing about the England squad. Well, you can probably... If another Adidas... <laughs> if we're with Adidas, right, and another team released their kit, you can probably guess what our kit's going to look like. Yeah, but have you seen that one with the dotty <laughs> things on it, which is well nice? No, it's not. That's awful. Oh, I like it a lot. I think, can't they do like a remake of no, like an no, old no, not kit? The, not the one that was leaked. As, as the home the kit. Dots, yeah, that would be nice. Like Japan. That, I'd, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be up I know that. it's not on a Vanderbilt. What about the dabs.com right-hand sleeve? I'd be all over that. Then it's dabadoi. Hate blue. That is absolutely spot on. Brilliant. Why have you not brought that up earlier this season? Dabadi dabadoi. Fantastic. Eiffel 65 at its finest. Dom, I actually have a question for you. Oh, brilliant. Um, what, what is your chant of the season? Is that a question? No, no, this is one for Dom from me. Um, wait, and wait, and Dom's like, the only person allowed to answer this. Is this one that's like we've just randomly come up with or one that's actually got going? I think you vaguely have to have had it going. You can't just right, make there's, one there's up. A, all right, there was a like, video of us singing at Edge Road Station. No, no, that doesn't count. It, that's not good enough. There was at least 20 of us singing it. Like. Yeah, but that's just your friends. It's a great song. Yeah, I agree. I really like it, but uh, I, you have to have vaguely got the chant going. Hmm. It's a tough one. I don't know. I still think, I think, I think Jackson's in like there. Kevin MacDonald. That's goes around the world. No, that's, that's, that's last, more last season, though, if you ask me. Still my favourite one. Should we, let him, should we let him mull it over? Here we yeah, we'll have to we'll leave you. Here we go. Came to us from DR Congo. That's got, that's got, how's that not caught on? I don't understand. It's not, it's not ready yet. But it's not many people appreciate status quo as much as you do. That is brilliant, to be fair. Absolutely, like, great quality. But. He's better than Fafana. Up top with Kamara. Cabano, Unana. <laughs> Brilliant, excellent. Right, let's go back to the uh, back to the actual questions. <laughs> Lawrence Craven, of the three teams relegated from the Premiership, which player would you pick to sign for Fulham? One from each team: Stoke, West Brom, and Swansea. Swansea City. Announced Joe Allen. Um, Sammy, I'll start with you. One from each, please. Uh, I would maybe say Hagazi from West Brom. Mm-hmm. I think he's a decent centre back that would actually do a job for us. Um, I assume going for someone like Alfie Mawson is just too, like, higher aim for us. I don't think it is. Well, I mean, he was brilliant. And, Signing for Fulham on foot manager. And has, a goal, and has a goal or two in him. Would We could do a lot worse than Alfie Mawson. Well, yes. There are, there two are... of the teams. Oh, I have to pick one from all the teams? Yeah. Oh, Stoke. God, no idea. Joe Allen. No, not Joe Allen. Just pick another centre off, mate. You, you seem to. Ryan Shawcross, <laughs> Jack Butland. Kevin oh well, Zimmer. yeah, Jack Butland. But... Oh, great bloke, to be fair. Really nice geezer. Oh, have you met him? I met Jack Butland oh, a couple friend. of times. Nice yeah. guy, yeah. Friend, football friend. 
Um, Dom, one from each, please. Jalen. Yep. Just because just second yeah. midfielder. Joe and I think he'd, be, he'd do well in the system. Let's play well. passing football. Uh, West Brom, someone Ron Dong. Uh, yep. Big boy. Also agreed. Another Little, big... Leon Britton from Swansea. Isn't he like a coach now? Oh, yeah, he's retired. <laughs> if, we're looking at, if we're looking at Swansea, obviously you said Alf Morton, so I won't say him. Assume uh, you can't pick Tammy Abraham. No. Really I'm going to say I'm going to say Key. Yes. Mm. Big fan. Ben? Key. Uh, from West Bromwich Albion, I would take Solomon Rondon. Uh, from Stoke City, I'll probably take Ramadan Sobi. Yes, who's that? Was the go Egyptian with. winger. He's uh, quite highly thought of. Special foot manager. If I'm honest, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take anyone from Stoke, and uh, that includes Shakiri. I don't no, think Shakiri would be no, any good here. Imagine the chance. <laughs> Hang on, you've just taken Ramadan Sobi from Stoke. I mean, it's not. I, I mean, I would take him if I was pressured into taking anyone. You're giving me a Swansea player. What? He'll get there. I'm getting there. He'll get there, mate. You just said I wouldn't. You just gave me a Stoke player and then said I'm not taking anyone from Stoke. Yeah, he's saying it would take him if he had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ramadan Listen, and he's on your case, isn't it? He is. Ramadan Sobi's a great footballer. I'm a football manager. Yeah, it's quality. And then uh, from Swansea, I think I'll probably take um, Andre Ayew if he's going. Oh yeah. But if not, I'd take Alfie Mawson. I think that's a really good shout. Or maybe Sam Clucas. Yeah, I was going to say Sam Clucas. That was my. Um, that would have been my opening gambit, but I also would have a little bit of a soft spot for Alfie Mawson. Um, I would obviously take James McLean Angel. from West Brom. Mm. I, I hope um, for nothing. That is the last thing I want in the world. I would love James McLean on the right wing. I would uh, stop supporting Fulham and go support Turner Mitchum with that. <laughs> I'd move to Frankfurt and have, get a Darms that scene ticket. Right, well, that's another reason why James McLean should sign <laughs> for Fulham and get rid of Dom. Um, and who was my other? Stoke? Yeah, so I'd have Ramadan Sobi. Cool. What's um, next? Good. Um, that was a good question. Thank you, Lawrence. Long Who is that from? Target, Eric Peters. Lawrence Craven. Thanks, Lawrence Craven. Eric um, Peters. Okay, so uh, Thomas Sullivan says, which academy players feature next season, either in the cup or the first team? Start with you, Dom. I want a walk. Like, no, not, not Jamal Poku. <laughs> um, uh, I say Matt O'Reilly. Yeah. Because he's better than Cess on the original update of Football Manager. So he's definitely going to be a better player. Do you play Football Manager? No. You no. never mentioned I didn't touch it. Actually, I did touch today. I'm not talking about um, <laughs> AVV Swift are going to win Champions League. Come on. Um, uh, so I'll say Matt O'Reilly, Stephen Sess, and probably Tao Eden. Yep. Don't, uh, ben, anything to add? Uh, Luca Della Torre. Do, do, do. Uh, Marek Rodak. Yep. I think had Fulham not done Big so well this season and been chasing, let's say it was mid-table mediocrity, I could have imagined Luca Della Torre getting many more appearances. Mm. Got his so- first international cap the other day. Sonny Hilton, yes, mate. I saw that. Sonny Hilton. Ben Davis. I think realistically, Stephen Sess is the one that we can expect. I think Matt Riley's got more, more of a chance. I agree. I also think that John Dager Thorne Steinson isn't probably too far away from a first Cody Wood, Joe and George Williams, that's what I'm saying. You've got a great song for Zorro. I do have a good song for John Dago when he finally gets into the mix, but we'll release that at the time. Nice. Um, Good. Okay, right. Matt Roberts says, what will you all miss slash not miss about the championship? I'll start with you, Ben. One thing I'll miss is winning on a consistent basis. One of the things I won't miss is uh, some of the football that is played against us because it is absolutely eye-wateringly bad. For example, Burton Albion can't play particularly good football Birmingham City don't play particularly good football um, unfortunately we're going to have to watch in next season Cardiff don't either good okay um, Sammy I will actually miss the frequency of games a little bit I think that I love 
I love nothing more than watching Fulham. It's my favourite thing to do. And at the end of the day, in the championship, you get to watch Fulham 46 times. Even if it's on the telly, I don't make every single game like Dom, but I make part time over. I make most of them. Um, I will miss that sometimes there is a bit more frequent uh, infrequency to games, mm. and also. In the last two seasons, towards the end of the year, we've had something real to fight for. In fact, actually, all four seasons in the Championship, there has been something to fight for. And very often in the Premier League, I would take it next season because, obviously, I'd just like a nice mid-table finish. But quite often, the Premier League ends in a bit of a damp squib. And I will miss miss that a bit. Um, What won't I miss about the Championship? Oh, the referees oh, as well. Oh, yeah. I think oh, the referees yeah. is the is, is the obvious answer, so I'll go for that. But one thing I also think I'd miss is, is some of the obscure signings that we make because of our championship status. Like, Neeskins is, is one of them, I think. Zachariah Labyad. Dom. Um, I, I'm not going to miss Sam to go to Reading. Um, yep. Spot on. And Bolton. You do have to go to Reading, though, in pre-season. It's, no, an, it's, it's, a, a, it's an old it's shot. And I ground. probably won't go to that because I've been to that ground too many times anyway. The shots. Um, but... I, thing shots, is, the, the only annoying thing about the Premier League is it's too southern. From a financial aspect, it's great because we are a very much cheaper. You season. can go and see Darmstadt a bit more. Yeah, I could probably go to Germany. Or we had this discussion before we got yeah, promoted. Go over to go over to Carpi. Yeah, so we go to FC Dieppe in France. Oh, or the boys, AVV Swift in Holland. But no, I I'm, I will miss and I will I'll miss going to proper football grounds. There's just so many soulless arenas in the Premier League. But actually. The Premier League isn't so bad for that this season. No, it's not. But or to be, although to, to be, you know, yeah, Vicarage Road, Dean Court. Um, it will be, what's the John? What is it? John Smith Stadium? Yeah, Huddersfield. Yeah, but I just, I just don't. I'm just not looking forward to just like going to actually not looking forward to going to Everton because we never win. But for you, there's solar stadiums in the in the Championship as well. Really solar stadiums. Yeah, but I feel like we just talked about Reading, mate. Reading, like Middlesbrough, Derby. No, there's just like. They're just like an atmosphere in championship, which isn't there in the Premier League. I think now, what empty seats? Just, I just, I don't know. I just enjoy maybe because we were winning, but yeah. And I don't know. Maybe it's because we're going up, but there's not a new ground. Well, actually, apart from West Ham and Spurs, there's like not a new club ground in general to go to and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, no, I think for 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 the younger fans, it would be nice because obviously fans who've obviously started going to away games like every week since we're in championship. It's nice. It'll be nice for them to go to like the likes of Burnley. The likes of United, the likes yeah. of City. Hey, say not proper stadiums. I still think there's a few in the Premier. No, League. there is. I just think it's it's a, the Premier League's a lot different to when we went down. Yeah, it's changed. A lot, it's lot different. Jack, what are you gonna miss and not miss? Um, I'm not gonna miss having to listen to Mickey Gray. Uh, have sort of. I've developed a weird soft spot for him. No, that's just weird. No, <laughs> that's really weird. I'm just not gonna miss that show. I know we, you know, participated on it occasionally, but that Channel Five show I will not miss whatsoever. Oh, um, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, no, I was a key real... cog, I think, of that show. Yeah, your cog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to go into it. Look, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to miss that. Um, you know what? I will miss. Uh, we weren't always last on that weird Channel Five show, so that would be far off sometimes. Yeah, so you know that's that thing. Look, there's lots of lots of pros and cons. I'm gonna. I'm excited. You know, when I when we were in the Premiership last, I was at university, and 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 before that, I. You know, didn't didn't travel so much, so I'm I'm excited about visiting a load of new stadiums for me. And you know, there are still sort of ten or so stadiums in the Premier League that I've not been to, and and I'm really you know excited about going to visit them. Um, I will miss going to things like Barnsley, where you know, which were were brilliant away days, and and Ipswich, and and then those kind of days, and and, and winning. Like Ben said, I, I'm going to miss 
going to games and assuming we're going to win. Yeah. Which is is something that's massively underrated, I think, in football. You know, going to games and be like, we're just going to win here. Yeah, but I also can't wait for us to go to an away game and we win. My favourite, my favourite thing is that we're never going to have to go back to Griffin Park. But you say never. No. By the time that even if we got relegated first season, Brentford would be in their new stadium. Yeah, By the time we played them, we're never ever going to have to go back to Risen Park. Aside from if we get a rogue cup draw, fair enough. Um, and that that you know we have a pub on each corner of the stadium is not not like a a sideline for having an yeah, absolutely none of those awful pubs are stadium. Actually that good? No, they're not. No, no. But like that was a sideline. But like your stadium is awful. But like yeah, we've got a pub on each corner. No, no. They also aren't based in London. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just glad we're never going to have to go back there. I, I really dislike it, Fair everything enough. about it. Uh, what was the? Uh, any more questions? Um, I mean, there's loads of questions. That's the is, is the truth of the matter. Yeah, but should, we, should we do try and get two more? That'd be nice. We've okay. we've gone so far over Jack. We might as well keep going. <laughs> Let's just crack on. Keep it going. Yeah. Okay. Um, JT Gwads. Um, Great pronunciation. It's it's very difficult. It's got two Zs in it and no vowels. Um, he says, surely you'll do a player of the year discussion, but I am hope it's in-depth and contentious. I'm talking fist fights over if K-Mac or Mitro should make the top three. You know, sensible levels of passion on the subject. I think that all four of us would pick the same top three. So I'm just going to quickly run through them. Dom, you can start because I know what yours are. Uh, yeah, third place I put Sess, second K-Mac and first Reen. Honourable mentions to Mitrovic and Marcus Bettinelli. Yep. Ben? Uh, I slightly differ. I think first place is Reem, second place is Cess, and third place is Kevin McDonald. What? What? You had a go at me on the WhatsApp yesterday for That's saying that. I like winding you up. Yeah, yeah. and honourable mentions. Honourable mentions has got to be Mitrovic and. Yeah, Bettinelli, actually. I hadn't really thought of him until you said it then. Sam. I thought he was Well, awesome. that's what I did in the end. Kenny. I, no, I. I yeah. If anyone votes Kenny, they just. No, just te- don't come back to Fulham. Well, don't take it away. He had a good season. He had a good about two months. His numbers are great. There's a lot of people whose numbers are great. No, like, there isn't. Like when you have that region of football manager, you just stat pad him against the low leagues. Um, no, I'm not saying Kenny. I went for Ream, obviously. K-Mac second. I went for Bettinelli third. Because actually... That's not horrible. No one, I don't think anyone... No, 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 no I know. I, I, I joked on the WhatsApp the other day that Seth should be second. I was kind of just you know when fishing, you, you know when you're doing the vote, is it just anyone who's played minutes for us this season on the list? I believe so. So you could just... No, like, no, 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 it wasn't because a few people... Jello, on there, Jello, like, Jello. A Rafa Schwarz wasn't on there, I'm pretty certain. Oh, oh, I right. wasn't able to vote for Jordan Graham. No. Fuck. Yeah. It was difficult. No, but like, as in, but okay. Bettinelli has just been so good since he's come in and I still just think they're... I think the coincidence is too great. It's too great. Well, we spoke how... about it in lengths this season. Yeah, we, in fairness, look, we were the first to be like, we're not sure that Marcus Bettinelli is that good. Right, but if you've looked at the minutes from the meeting with Ali Mack last week from the FST, one of the things they said was they were going to sign a new goalkeeper in the summer. But one of the things they decided was because they brought in a new goalkeeper coach and the amount he brought on Bettinelli, you know, from the start of the season, that they were convinced that he could become a top-class keeper. And I think it, you know, well, it proves itself. Just look at Nick Pope this season. Yeah, well, that's it. But like, look at that now. And now Bettinelli has been, you know, incredible. And at, you know, at this point last year, if you'd asked any of us if Marcus Bettinelli could cut it in the Premier League, we'd have laughed at you. Yeah, a hundred percent. All of us, 100%. we would have all laughed at you. Now, look, it's not a surefire thing by any stretch of the imagination. He still has a lot of work to do and a lot of, you know, growth to, as a keeper to make. But I don't think it's on question. I don't think it's out of the question now. Would you rather be going to this Premier League season with Marcus Bettinelli or Neil Etheridge? Mark Rodak. I said yeah. I'm forgetting New Effridge for identity. Magnus Holmes, Norman. So. 
He I, doesn't I, look like he should be a footballer. Nah, no, he, he just looks like a kid. Anyway, uh, the, the answer to your question He's is better. Okay, um, what was your one? Um, mine was the same as Dom's. I went Ream, McDonald, Sess. Okay. Um, with honourable mentions to Mitrovic and Marcus Betner. I mean, to be, I, I, I like JT's regular contributors to questions, and I know he's only being in jest with like saying I'd like a full-on blown debate. If he wants to fight, but this <laughs> I'll just give it him. There isn't a debate. There, there, is there, a debate, there, there isn't a debate about this. It's going to be Tim Ream, and if it isn't, then I cannot understand. I'm Actually, sorry. I can. They'll give it to Cesc because he scores buckets it of goals. It cannot be Cesc. No. It can't be Cesc. It won't be Cesc. I it's don't got think to be it'll, be, it'll be more of a joke if Kearney makes it into the top three. Yeah, no. If Kearney makes it top five, I think, maybe. I don't think no, they Kearney will. will. It will make it top Kearney three. will make it top five. That's me. Look, TC's now announced top five. TC's no, but he shouldn't make it into top five. No, no, no. TC's not, let's not like put any things in. TC's numbers are great this year, and he stepped up when it really mattered, right? Well, we didn't do it. No, he did. Stepped up when it really mattered, especially in the playoff final. TC controlled that game from start to finish, and it was, it was, it was TC's final. Someone yeah, said that on the on the podcast the other day. It was TC's final. It was final. TC's it was. final, and he deserves immense credit for that. But if we're given a Player of the Season award, it, it's got to go across the whole season. And for a lot of this season, Tom Kenny one was in and out of the team, right, and two didn't look like he was back to his full self. Yes, he was absolutely brilliant in the unbeaten run. But this is the course of the season, and even when Fulham were bad at the start of the season, Tim, Tim Ream was exceptional. Good. Yeah, the only honourable mention is McDonald, who also I remember that Wolves game, and we said, God, it was McDonald that came, got us through that. And actually, that bad run of games, it was only us kind of praising McDonald. Well, I think so that's, you, that's you look why at, he's not. If you look back at the last two seasons overall, he's been our best player. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Over Perfect. the last two seasons, it's definitely K-Mac. And actually, K-Mac is unlucky to miss out on that award. But I think it just has to be... Well, he was robbed of it last season. He was robbed of it last season. Absolutely how do you th- I don't know how we finished third last season. Yeah. Diabolical. Who was it? Kearney last season. It was season. Kearney, Hanson, then McDonald, which I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 look, you look at it again. I know it's not all about numbers, but if you look at the numbers... I don't want to slag off our fans. They both, no, no, they and both. our listeners, but Kearney these are the same people that were giving Jamie O'Hara man of the matches. Kenny and Johansson both got double figures for assists and goals last season. Which is unheard of, basically, for midfield. Yeah. Uh, and they, they agreed completely that when you looked at it, Kevin McDonald was you know exceptional for the entire season. But when you're stacking those kind of numbers, people kind of look past it. And I think that that's not Fickle the worst thing in the world. If, and if it's Tim Ream, I think credit to the fan base because they've seen who is the deserving winner of it. 100%. Um, um, so, yeah. Right, one more. Um, this is from Joe at Joseph FFC, long-term friend of the pod. Big boy. Knows, you know, knows about us. He says, how much do you think we need to spend as a minimum in order to stay up? I don't know, Sam, start with you. It's such a hard question. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it's about how much you spend. I think it's what we're buying and who we're buying. Like the the amount we need to spend will, will varies on which players we're getting in certain I'd like, positions. I'd like to hope we still are though spending a good chunk of fifty. Fucking hell! Yeah, I is think you're Wonga. Right. Is that is that too much to ask in today's market? Well, no. If if, if you think about if it, if you let's say that's Fred like, just like, signed for fifty-two million pounds. How much did uh, Brighton spend last summer? Forty-eight, I think. Oh. No, but the thing is. So yeah, but if you're Mitch saying is twenty million, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're, you're actually really only spending thirty of it on new on new additions, and obviously we looked. You've seen the key additions as what? what what's happened? <laughs> Richard is twenty million. It's fucking twenty million. <laughs> Give it the old arm as well. Fucking <laughs> throw it on twenty the table. mil. It's 20, Stick 20 mil on table for Mitrovic. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Santiago Arias is free. Yeah. 
Stick it on Big table up. for Mitrovic, and then Joe stick Allen, another free. twenty million on Alfie Joe Wilson, Allen. Five mil. <laughs> Itk. Ryan Shawcross, free. Yeah. Glenn yeah. Johnson, Watch me free. whip. El Nanny. That's not. That's <laughs> never becoming a thing ever. Like. That's huh. becoming a thing. All right. So we saying fifty million. Let's just uh, let's let's end this podcast now. Yeah. Okay. I think it's all got a bit mad. Look, we've done nearly uh, an hour and a half here. Oh, probably over. Oh, so. Dear. It's been it's been a good one. We've enjoyed doing it. I hope you've enjoyed listening it. If you've made it all this way, then you probably deserve some sort of medal. If you, you can have award your player of the season, pal. If Thanks. you've made it all this way, should we get people to like tweet in a word? Yeah. What word should we say? Kincheski. Okay. Kincheski. Beautifully random. If you've made it all this way to the end of the podcast, just tweet us. Just go at Fulhamish Pod, Kincheski. That's all we want. It's a little bit of an experiment. Okay, yeah. so, you know, if you've got Twitter or you can Instagram us, whatever. Whatever. Any, any social any, media platform. Any, more, any platform. Just we'll go Koncheski. That's all we want to hear because I'm amazed if you've made it this far in the podcast. Um, and also, if you've made it this far in the podcast, uh, probably we'll never have a podcast bigger than the last show. It was our most listened to ever. And uh, thank you so much for your support. And we appreciate you even more uh, that you stayed around. Yeah, thank you very uh, much. That's honestly, as in jokes aside, that's like a, a big shift. Thank yeah. you. We appreciate it. Um, so, Jack, uh, what are we naming this podcast? Or are we just going to call it End of Season Review? Yeah, End of Season Review. All right, well, that's easy then. So, uh, Fulhamish, right. So, over the summer... We're going to stop a bit, but we're not going to fully stop. We've got a few potential interviews that we'd like to do, uh, but we're not going to just go, right, here's a month and we're stopping. But we haven't really got a schedule. We haven't thought it through. Um, so well, there will be the odd sporadic podcast over the summer, but hopefully this has kind of been a bit of a, a roundup of, of affairs. So keep, keep your eyes out. Fulhamish Pod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We'll let you know what's going on. And hopefully we will still have lots of tent for you in the summer. If you are a person that likes the World Cup, I'm going to do a bit of a self-promo here because... I, went, uh, I actually meant to do this earlier for you, man. Um, so. I, I'm running a World Cup podcast called Davor Suka's Left Foot, which is a throwback to 1998. Fairly and Donnelly's Left Foot. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure most of the boys in this studio will probably feature at some point or another. Um, we're going to be doing it every couple of days throughout the World Cup. Um, it's just going to be a sort of roundup of players to watch, what's going on. I'll be in Japan and South Korea coverage over. It. Yeah, and we're we're gonna we're gonna see how we go with it. So um, I'd really appreciate support. I'm gonna be posting it on on my personal profile at Jack J Collins. I'm sure the pod will give it a buzz or whatever at some point. Yeah. But um, how much are you paying? Well, I mean, considering I, considering I have the access to the pod accounts, what I'm going to do is post it myself off the pod accounts at but some I also point. Have access to the delete. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. But um, I'm I'm sure you'll see it on your feeds. I, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, if you're interested in the World Cup, I, I think it's going to be a really good list, and we've got a lot of really good people on it, and and things are looking for looking bright. So. I've, do you I've, mean you? No, no, no. I'm not even one of the good people. I'm I'm just hosting and people talk. I've fully seen your plan here. What you're going to do? You're going to build up numbers, catfish people into your World Cup podcast, and then bam, August the first. Fulhamesk. No, no, no. We're not. We're not setting up a Fulham account. We're not setting up a separate account for it. So it's just going to come off my account. So it's um, mm. it, we're not going to be split. I'm not going to be setting yeah. up an account to switch. Right, to is Fulham it not going to become like a Croatian football podcast after the World Cup? Uh, it might be. It might become a, a, a Champions League podcast after the World Cup. That's the end. Should be European football, mate. That's what you do. All right, well, make sure... No, honestly, go give Jack's podcast a subscribe. Not to say there yet, but, you know, follow Jack J. Collins on Twitter and I'm yeah. sure you'll hear... Yeah, Davos Suka's left foot. It'll be on iTunes tomorrow, so... 
Will it? Yeah. Okay. Right, so thank you for listening today. I uh, hope it wasn't too long-winded to you. To Dom Betts and his Domstat shirt, thank you very much. It's all right. Ben Jarman, thank you. No, thank you, Sammy, and thank you for all of the all of the listeners for listening to us and supporting us all of this season and into next. Yeah, stick with us next season. Jack Collins, thank you. Thank you, listeners. Have a great World Cup. Enjoy your summer. We will be back soon, I yeah. promise. Premier League pod. Take it easy. Gang, gang, gang. Later. Laters. Toodles. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, a podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.